0: I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come on up out of your houses. Clientzillion is going to make you a super human being. <laughs> I believe this is episode number 11 of Crackpot Cinema. We've made it this far. Uh, We'll be saluting the films Boardwalk and Sunnyside with a very special guest today from Madison, Wisconsin, actually from Flatbush, Brooklyn, by way of Madison, Wisconsin. Ben Reiser, introduce yourself, please. Hi,
1: everybody. I'm Ben Reiser. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> some credits such a such a low p npr a low-key yeah. npr <laughs> uh energy. i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna bring some npr energy to the show today. that's i the, love that's that
0: a madison influence
2: on you after all
0: these years
1: it's true but even when i was even when mike and i met at suny purchase after living around the corner from each other for some amount of time in brooklyn but never knowing each other um even back at SUNY Purchase in my in my late teens people said you're not from Brooklyn you don't have a Brooklyn accent and um, but I did I have radio yeah. broadcast from WPUR yeah. to prove it That's Anyway
2: right. <laughs> So what do you day- do in Wisconsin
1: I do some film programming at the University of Wisconsin-Madison for the Wisconsin Film Festival and UW Cinematheque. And also, Mike and I just started our own little podcast called 70 Movies. We so- oh, should I not talk about that? No, 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 please. This is what we're
0: doing. We're, we're launching. We're announcing. We're, we're getting the birth pangs.
1: Uh, it's called 70 Movies" we saw in the '70s, where theoretically Mike and I will talk about movies that we saw as kids in New York City in the '70s. But based on the first episode which we just recorded, uh, it's more like seventy minutes of us throwing people we know under the bus, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh,
0: with some Planet of the Apes thrown in there. So, yeah, and uh, and from Los Angeles,
2: introduce yourself, Aaron Lee. Uh, r- uh, comedy writer and producer for shows like Family Guy and Superstore, and you didn't introduce yourself, Mike.
0: Oh, I'm Mike McPadden. I'm the author of uh, teen movie hell and uh, heavy metal movies. And, this is uh, this is
2: what you call a power trio. <laughs> <This is> a
0: <laughs> That's right. Podcasting what you call power trio. A, it's also what you call power bottoms. If you're We're, uh,
1: we can call ourselves Husker Douche.
0: Oh man. I, I love that! <laughs> yeah, here we are. Who's could douche?
2: There we go. Or Dush for rush? Rush. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, there you go. I was going Instead for a of, full douche pun run.
0: Yeah. Instead of cream, With crap or sour cream.
2: <laughs> oh, right. okay. There you go. We did so, it.
1: Do, do you boys have your um, your puns ready for the, like the thumbs up or thumbs down for this week? I, I have yes, one. absolutely. I have one. Okay, lay it on us. Guest goes first, yeah. Well, it seems like an obvious one.
2: Oh, wait, wait. Um, Can we... Should we quickly yeah. say it'd be good, though, to establish these are... Well, what the theme of the movies yeah. are. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it, go it ahead, kind, Mike. It kind of... Kind of, <laughs> All right. kind of 70s... 70s uh, gang street uh, film okay, set in so New York City. Yeah, right. That's exactly it.
0: It's... it's uh, Urban warfare among youth gangs in the outer boroughs of New York City, specifically Brooklyn and Queens. So, Ben. All right, I'm going gonna to throw, st-
1: throw it out with an obvious one. Uh, gang Bang or Gang Green.
2: Oh, Ooh, man, that's you beat good. mine. That's great. Thank that's you. That's really good.
1: It's beginner's luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Gang Bang or Gang Bust. I, gang Green is much better. Thug or Shrug. big apple or big crapple (laughs)
2: that's that's great and and you know i i only ever do the uh shit jokes just because that's what i did on the first one and just thought i'd keep it going so i have street smart or shit spurt and uh (laughs) (laughs) and my other one is bloods and crips or blood in your craps (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> <Sure.
0: Jesus. laughs> strong there, Family Guy writer.
2: You know, I think we got to go with uh, Ben's. I think we got to go with the the that's special guest, Gang Bang, yeah. Gang Green. That's awesome. Yeah, okay.
1: wow, that's very nice of you too.
0: So, uh, and we're going when we get to the second film today, Boardwalk, because I uh, want to do these in the order that they were released. And our first film, Sunnyside, came out July fourteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, we have a, Ben is a, a very deeply connected to the film Boardwalk, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But uh, Sunnyside is not a film I
2: remember at all. Do you, Ben?
1: No, nope. no, not at all.
2: Aaron? No. And what's funny is it was apparently a Siskel and Ebert Dog of the Week. Which yeah, I watched the video. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought you and I would have remembered every one of those, but I don't remember that. I do remember Joey
0: Travolta's uh, Casablanca disco album from 79. Uh, Joey Travolta is the star of Sunnyside and the older brother of John Travolta by three years. And you can really see all three of those years in Sunnyside, <laughs> especially when they sh- shoot him full face and you don't get that Travolta profile. Uh, so, yeah, open July 14th. And I looked, there's newspaper ads and everything, so I was completely unaware of it until probably a couple of years ago I came across... Um, Sunnyside and I was, I put it in my pocket till we had a podcast, so um, it opens up with, and this is set in the neighborhood of Sunnyside, Queens, which as I recall was never a terrible neighborhood uh, Rachel did some, my wife Rachel did a little quick research and said uh, that uh, Sunnyside Heights was actually an okay neighborhood, like it was kind of like a Bay Ridge, like you know uh, just sort of a middle class neighborhood but, but actually Sunnyside itself was uh, a mess uh, certainly, I don't recall it being like the lyrics to the theme song, Sunnyside, by the Big Apple Band, which says, Oh, there ain't no justice when you get down to the street. Better have some bars upon your window. Lord's just serve attention in this jungle of concrete. It's survival of the baddest in the ghetto. So uh, that was not my experience of Sunnyside, uh, the actual place, but it certainly was of the movie. Uh, and the New York City band, who sang that, it appeared to be a funk, disco, R&B supergroup with Nile oh, Rodgers wow. and Bernard
2: Edwards of Chic and John Brown from The Five Satins and the Moonblower. Wait, that's who did the song? Yeah, that's, they did all the music. No wonder, yeah. it, no wonder it kicked so much ass. I, I did not realize there was a Nile Rodgers who joined. I, I can't,
0: stop, can't stop singing it. And it's funny because I know. for another uh, episode coming up, I watched Soup for One, which has the Chic uh, theme song also. So they were busy.
1: You know that song is one of the reasons that I was so shocked to to see that this movie was shot in '78 and released in '79. It feels so much more like one of those mid '80s, you know, Utterly, movies. Yeah. With the, it's it's so weird that it's that early. This film.
0: Yeah. It uh, reminded me of *Tenement*, Roberta Finley's *Tenement*, which um, I think there is a connection to. I'll get through, get to that when we uh, walk through all this. So. Uh, let's just do initial impressions. I'm gonna say I kind of loved it, so it's gang bang for me.
2: Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go gang green. I I mean I it, <laughs> it certainly was fun, but it was ju- it was just I thought it was a completely amateurish mess, but and and fun for that you know, and with a real like uh, a You're real uh, yeah. local local theater vibe. But but I I think <laughs> when I sat back and graded these two movies and one was very professionally made and one was a bunch of guys wandering around an alley for an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I had to, I had to give this one, the, the gangrene. <laughs> ben, Ben, what's your reason?
1: Um, yeah, it's tough because I, 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 feel both of you. I, it, it's a terrible amateur hour. I mean, it's crazy. Go with me, Ben. Years. Agree with me. Don't agree with <laughs> yeah. Mike. I'm happy to go gangrene. Gangrene. Oh, yes, man. but uh, but yeah, but uh, sell uh,
0: out uh, to
2: the Hollywood player.
1: I don't mean it in I don't mean it in a, it in a bad way. Gangrene <laughs> in the best possible way. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. No, it's funny you say that. Sell out the Hollywood player, Mike, because I was thinking when I when I watched these two movies back to back, like I like to think that I love you know outsider art. Ed Wood, Andy Milligan, you know, and then I watch this and I was like, no, no, I think I like movies that are made well. I think that's my thing. And I was, (laughs) which does make me feel like a a sellout.
0: That, that has been a hard lesson in these like 10 episodes so far for me too. It really has. Like we were going to do Guyana, Cult of the Damned. I was like, we can't, it's just, it's too boring Can't make my (laughs) friend sit through this. Well, can Um, I
1: say the one exciting thing that I learned about um, um, the making of Sunnyside was that the cinematographer is this guy, Gary Graver, who was Orson Welles' cinematographer in his later years. So there's that one bit of semi-professionalism that uh, is associated with this film.
0: And uh, Graver also, he made some interesting movies. Um, Erica's Hot Summer, which is the softcore movie with Erica Gavin. Which is interesting because Erica in the title is spelled with a K. And Erica Gavin spells her name with a C. Party Camp, which is a movie I had to f- suffer through for teen movie hell. Evil Spirits from 1990. 1990 to me is when bad movies actually became bad. It's like when, <laughs> yeah. when the grindhouse theaters were really go- gone. And it was just direct-to-video so like people could fast forward. I believe that's what happened. But this uh, this cast is sure promising. Karen Black, Artie Johnson, Virginia Mayo, Michael Berryman, Martine Beswick, uh, Robert Quarry, Count Yorger, and Yvette Vickers, the 50-foot woman herself. But he That's was also, Evil Spirit? That's Evil Spirits, yeah, 1990. Wow. Sounds good.
2: Uh, Why yeah. didn't we watch that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now we all have an assignment. Um, but he was also uh, hyper-prolific porn director Robert McCallum. Which I never knew. Um, Orson Welles, cinematographer, made uh, the porn chic classics 3AM, V, The Hot One, The Ecstasy Girls, Co-Ed Fever, and Amanda
2: by Night. Wow. How many of those films do you think Orson helped out on? you know, like, <laughs> man, may I dropped by the set. <laughs> Gary, are you busy? Are you shooting today? <laughs> he- so, so how many did he cra- help himself out on? No. <laughs> and Graver, as the uh, cinematographer of Sunnyside, do do you think it was his choice to shoot the entire movie in denim, and to have no one wear anything but <laughs> denim for the like just this wall of blue? <laughs> like, is he Canadian,
0: honoring his tuxedo? <laughs>
1: But that's not know. fair because Michael Tucci Michael Tucci's wearing sports jackets the whole time. You make a point
0: there. Michael Tucci's dressed like Uncle Floyd. Right?
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he's that's got true. Like these loud jackets, flashy pants on. Betty really had to fight for that. Really had to fight for it. <laughs> like, all right, we'll have one one costume that's not dinner.
0: Michael Tucci plays Harry, the uh, sidekick to gang leader uh, Joey Travolta. Uh, and he's a real dandy, walk around. Michael Tucci, of course, was uh, best known for another Travolta project uh, with another
1: Travolta Grease. He played Sonny, one of the T-Birds. And he also, um, he had four different guest spots on Barney Miller. They used Michael Tucci, they they, they rung him dry. It was four separate characters on Barney Miller over the wow. years. Wow.
2: wow! And then he, he was
0: he, the uh, Nebishy neighbor on uh, It's Gary Shanley's show, too.
1: Yes.
2: Oh, of course he was. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, I forgot. Yes. Yeah. I, I i yeah I, I was just watching that with my kids trying to get them into it it d- it didn't work G- gary Shanley's show i mean is gary Shanley's show yeah yeah it d- didn't work couldn't couldn't make the sale it's it, it really was just so of its time but but he's very funny and remember he had the son that yeah. looked just like him they found it's a exactly kid actor like him, yeah. who looked yeah it was good. <laughs> yeah
0: so, uh, this is a hard boiled drama of the streets. And Ben, I couldn't agree more. It is very much like the mid 80s gang movies, like Young Gangs. And, you know, the high end would be tough turf on that. Um, and.
1: Uh, it makes no goddamn sense.
0: No, not at all. So, let's talk about who wrote and directed this film. Timothy Galfis, uh started out directing some episodes of Night Gallery um, and then made uh, Black Fist. AKA Bogard. I can only imagine they did better business with the name Black Fist. The screenwriter of a movie we are definitely going to talk about on this podcast, Matilda, the Boxing Kangaroo movie.
2: Which I've never seen. No, you, me neither. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait.
0: I mean, it was in the Golden Turkey Awards as the the worst movie you've never seen. But I remember when it came out. Do you remember this band? It played Radio City Music.
1: Yes, week. yes.
0: And uh, I believe they were like, Matilda was like
2: on Coca Cola cans at the time, too. I and, remember uh, it on the the CBS Late Movie when when I was a kid and c- couldn't stay up to see it and was so pissed off but but saw cool. like what the hell were they doing that for yeah. saw but saw the ad you know and saw a right. clip yeah. from it after being obsessed with you know, yeah Golden Turkey but Awards. Tell them. And, you need yeah. to do Tonight.
1: uh you need to do a double feature with that and what is it Kangaroo Jack
2: Oh, oh Jack. yeah Oh god. Well, we, yeah. We were thinking,
0: oh, it's funny you say that because I kept thinking, let's do that with Homps, oh. which I've never seen.
1: Yeah, I've seen Homps. And then
0: Homps which well you you were na- you were called Benji in the 70s, yeah. right? And so you went to you were very much attached to the Benji movies. Right.
1: And we need to do Benji on 70 movies we saw in the 70s. Oh,
0: please, right away. And my dog <laughs> Zelda looks a lot like Benji. I don't know if you've yes. seen her. Here she is. We call her Benjina. Um <laughs> And Benji and Tiffany, his girlfriend, make a cameo in Holmes, I, I just, Of course but, they did. Uh, yes. And I, but I ordered the DVD like two months ago, and I told Aaron, ah, we're not going to be able to do it. And then I, just, I got it yesterday, so maybe we will. But I was also thinking we could do Matilda
2: and Chomps, which is an easy movie to find, the Hanna-Barbera movie. Uh, I also saw that Galphus was a Banksy guy, right? That he did a lot of yeah, Ralph Banksy yeah. stuff. Worked on Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah. On, uh,
0: hey, good looking. Oh yeah, it was his cinematography. He was. Uh, I mean, this is interesting.
1: <laughs> I could totally see Sunnyside as a Bakshi cartoon if they just rotoscoped everyone. It might have been, it might have been spectacular.
0: Yeah. That's like that's like too good a uh, like analytical <laughs> film point for the show. <laughs> that's really true. <laughs> I, yeah. And you think he worked on Hey, Good Looking, which is which is Bakshi's gang cartoon. Uh, he also shot. He did the cinematography for Summer Lovers and Rhinestone. Two crucial films
2: in, in well canon well rhinestone with, with dolly parton and sylvester stallone yeah. i was always fascinated by that movie uh growing up because in lexington kentucky at the north park theater a guy went to see it about 20 minutes into the movie got pissed off that it sucked so bad went out and <laughs> demanded his money back the the theater said no so he got in his truck and drove it into the North Park Theater and smashed oh, it, <laughs> smashed it through the wall, and destroyed the theater. It was closed for the summer. <laughs> so I was wow. always like, always like, wow, how, how bad could Rhinestone have been that this guy demolished a theater over it? Have you since seen it? No, I haven't. Wow,
0: that that's amazing. I uh, I actually saw it for the first time this past summer. There was a uh, Dolly Parton film and? festival at the Music Box, <clears throat> and uh, my beautiful wife Rachel won the Dolly Parton look-alike contest there. Uh, uh, rhinestone was was uh, if I weren't asleep, by the time they got to Rhinestone, I would have driven my truck into the Music Box <laughs> theater. Apologies to the Music Box theater; it was very bad. Um, but yeah, it was like a dusk. It was like a, a dusk till dawn thing. It started with nine to five, then best the little whorehouse, and then couple of more movies. Um, so uh, Joey Travolta is Nick Martin it's funny that it's like the most generic name um, and I, I don't know I, I he's not good he's not he's not he's not charismatic he's not a good actor <laughs> but
2: who, you who is your favorite who is your favorite of those like I, you know I've been looking at Joey Travolta I always think it, it's kind of like the Michael Keaton multiplicity thing. With the the yeah, star yeah. the star and then the sibling who's a little they, less attractive. They get watered down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then and yeah. then there's the sibling who's way less attractive. Like like I was thinking you've got like your Jim Hanks uh Right, right. Jim, <laughs> I forgot about it. Jim New Hanks. beach bunny star, Jim Hanks, yes. Joe Joe S. That's a good one. Right. right. And of course Frank Stallone, you know. Right. And uh but- and do you remember uh, briefly on the
0: WB network in 1999 and 2000 there was a TV show called Movie Stars with Harry Hamlin and like the gimmick of the show was that his neighbors were Joey Travolta, Don Swayze and Frank Stallone playing themselves. Ooh, wow. Ooh, God. That's Yeah. How unbearable was that show? I I remember I saw a minute of it and uh the three, you know, brothers of the movie stars were playing poker, and it was just unbearably unfunny. It was just—I <laughs> couldn't stick around.
1: I him. have never felt as old as yesterday when I googled Joey Travolta and saw a current picture of him. Have you seen this? Oh, my the guy—I th- guess he's in his seventies yeah. now, and he looks he belongs like he's in 100 Boardwalk. Years old. The second movie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Um, This movie—you should be eating in the cafeteria in Boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> I think Joey Travolta is okay in this movie. This movie's Not bad. Yeah, cra- it's crazy how this movie starts, and there's like five minutes before there's any real coherent dialogue at all. And he doesn't say; he says like one word at a time for the first five minutes, and then he finally settles into an actual sentence when he and uh, his love interest are, are hanging out in what he describes as his future home. I guess he's like in the middle of a pile of junk, and he said, like, "This is <laughs>
0: it's a bombed out hellhole." <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he goes, put the kitchen in and here. he
1: says this line that I don't think anyone in the history of Queens has ever said. He goes, let's take in the carnival.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was a bit of interesting flavor, the carnival, yeah.
1: Because there were yeah. many of those.
0: We have them here, too, in Chicago.
1: Yeah, but has are, are, I, I've never seen a. I've been to plenty of carnivals. I've never seen as obvious a scam as what they, that guy's got going with the milk bottles, where you throw it and <laughs> a direct hit with a ba- with a hard baseball <laughs> and nothing moves, and the guy's like, oh, better it luck next time." Bounces back yeah. at you. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> great.
0: No, well, that is that's when it gets hilarious. But that you know, we had we called it the bizarre in my church and school. But that was a, that's a very typical Brooklyn and Queens phenomenon of these, like, uh, just street carnivals set up either on a side street or in the schoolyard or something.
2: But um, I, I love that I love that scene with that scam because, I, Mike, I feel like we've talked about, like, it was a very 70s kid thing to be obsessed with how that kind of thing was all rigged. It was rigged. Like, r- r- like remember we watched the Brooke Shields movie Tilt and it had a yes. whole subplot about magnets in the pinball machine? <laughs> like... Joey Travolta flies into a fucking rage over losing his 50 cents, you know, to play the milk. Bottles. A completely, like, <laughs> you know, disproportionate meltdown. Yeah, he's going to kill that, the guy.
0: Yeah. So this leads to him teaming up with, uh, so he name of his gang is the Nightcrawlers. The other gang is the... Uh, Warlocks? What are they called? They're called, the. but they have another, they're like the Savage Warlocks or okay. something. But they, just, they do just refer to them as the Warlocks. Uh, led by Andrew Rubin as Eddie Reaper, who I think was fucking great. He was really scary and bizarre looking. And he has an incredible intro, which is uh, his father is leading some kind of Jesus freak uh, group in the living room. Which definitely was something that would happen once in a while among Catholics. They'd become charismatic Catholics and it was completely bizarre. And they'd be, because, you know, normal Catholics, like, don't read the Bible or anything. They're like, I got a priest to handle that for me. I don't need that shit. And, uh, but then some, sometimes like these Irish or Italians would go hillbilly with the Bible. So that's what, that's what happens. And then Reaper walks in. He's like, hey, I got something for you. And then he just minds jerking off onto the Bible.
1: Yeah, he goes, hey, think about it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) There you go. But is he supposed to be Italian? I thought he's supposed to be, like, Puerto Rican or something. In he seemed
0: movie. Puerto Rican to me. He yeah. seemed, yeah, definitely Hispanic, yeah. Did,
2: did you... I, I was getting the the real PTSD for me and watching this movie was uh, <laughs> Punk Cut, the character Punk Cut. Oh, yeah. Who played by E. Yeah. Lamont Johnson, who I was like, wow, where do I recognize this guy from? Where? googled it and realized he was Death Wish 2. And... And and just oh, the yeah, thought of, the of his members. yes, yes, remembering him in Death Wish too. I I yeah. almost my body almost shut down and <laughs> the, just like I was like oh I knew this guy creeped me out for some reason, but uh, but he he was an amazing actor. I did a little l- looked a little bit up on him. He died of HIV AIDS, uh, uh, at like, really young like twenty nine. Not not long after this movie, but was in Fox's and roots oh. and and Death Wish too. I was like, those are some pretty good credits, man. No fooling. That was like a, he was graduating. He went roots to foxes to Death Wish 2. <laughs> yes,
0: up the staircase in crackpot cinema terms.
1: I like the guy. I like the guy in the Warlocks who looks like the dude from uh, who looks like the dude from High Maintenance. The guy's got the full beard, and he's the oh, guy yeah. who walks yeah. into the building. Gets oh, yeah, blown. it's
0: completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought Andrew Rubin really good, and I, he look he didn't really have a lot of like big parts after this. He, uh, he kind of tapped out in nineteen ninety eight. I am very intrigued by his role as ACDC in the nineteen seventy three film Group Marriage, though. We got to investigate that. <laughs> and then Uh-oh. John John Grease as Wild Child, who's an amazing actor who uh, played King Vidiot and Joysticks, Laszlo Lazlo Hollyfeld and Real Genius, and
2: Od. The heavy metal guy in *TerrorVision*, and uh, Talia Balsam, Martin yeah. Balsam's daughter, uh, who played uh, the the wife of the character uh, Roger Sterling on *Mad Men*. you know John Slattery's he was character. was actually married to John Slattery, isn't he? Isn't in you? in real life. Yeah. And I was a huge *Mad Men* fan, and and sure. around like season four or five of that show. Uh, a friend of mine invited me to a little dinner party and I was seated with her and John Slattery at the, at the table. And so, and, and had dinner with them and was like, and saw John Slattery was like, Oh my God, I love Mad Men. I'm the biggest Mad Men fan. (laughs) Talked about it for the entire evening. And then when they left, my friend was like, you know, his wife is on the show too. Right. And I said, no, I I didn't recognize her at all. felt like such an asshole. Like it's was, it was, it was so horrible.
1: She's such a sex pot in this movie. There's nothing hotter than when a girl sprays shaving cream on you when you're in the bathtub. <laughs> when you're fully clothed in the yeah. bathtub. Yeah.
0: Uh, and she's with uh, Joey Travolta's brother, who's a real fucking zero, <laughs> who's going to get a job at an advertising... Oh, another Mad Men connection. He was going to go work at... Uh, what was it called? Uh, now... Sterling Price. Whatever. Yes, and, uh, Sterling Price. Yeah. Sterling Price, yeah. And he's gonna get him out of the neighborhood. Get him out of the neighborhood.
1: I like that he always has and, to carry uh, his portfolio with him at all times, even to the point where he can't <laughs> help carry that big cake to his mom's birthday party because he's got that fucking portfolio in his
0: hand. <laughs> <laughs> the mom's birthday party is really something. I took a note, it goes on so long. I said, Is this the wedding from the deer hunter? Like this just keeps going on and on.
1: I wanted to play Russian roulette to get out of it. So, uh did you boys notice? Dad, just explain to me this one part about the birthday party with um there's that Asian guy who's taping the magazine cutouts right. to the wall. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it seems like half of them are like Playboy nudes but the other half are cold cuts. What's he what what are those pictures of? <laughs> it,
0: was, it was deli meat.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah. And was that like a Italian that.
0: thing? Like we like good yeah, ladies, that. and we like when you make a sandwich for us, Mrs.
2: Travolta, <laughs> Mrs. Okay. Martin. Yeah, I, I feel that way. I like ladies, and I like cold cuts. I, I get yeah. that.
1: <laughs> so, but which which photos were? Would, was Joey worried that his mother would be offended by the the, the deli meats?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: uh, did you boys notice who did the production design on? Uh, no. Sunnyside. No. Mister Chuck mm-hmm. Russell. Who would go on to make *Dreamscape*, *Nightmare on Elm Street* three, *The Blob*, *The Mask*, and in 2016 uh, directed a John Travolta movie called *I Am Wrath*, which is one of those oh, wow. like 20 John Travolta movies a <laughs> month you see at the Red Box at the Supermarket. Yeah, we've talked about this, me and I. It's so weird. I remember being up like in the middle of the night, just flipping through Netflix. There was a new movie with Robert De Niro and John Travolta. It was just like on Netflix. I watched it, and it was—I mean, it was god awful. But it's like, it's crazy. These movies are now like when when celebrities would go to Japan and do like uh, cigarette commercials. <laughs> yeah, like they just make these red box movies. And I think Travolta must be the king. Bruce Willis is right there with him.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Willis does a lot of those.
0: But uh, oh, you know what? Else? I was going to say Andrew. So Ben and I—we can't—we can't say why yet. But we recently watched the uh, movie. Uh, five Corners. And uh, he reminded me of John Tur- Turturro in Five Corners a bit.
1: Yes. That same sort of malevolent uh, presence.
0: Yeah. And um, so, yeah, all this leads to... Uh, so, first, the hilarious raid of
1: the carnival. What, I love that there's blueprints for this raid. Yeah, that that, that, that they have, like, a whole layout. And, and Joey Travolta's like, you're going to take this and that. And they have a whole, a whole drawing out <laughs> of the carnival. Why? Well, for what? <laughs> they're just going in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're
0: doing a, a smashing grab. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe they have, like, each gang has color-coordinated hats. And, yeah. But maybe not. And then Joey Travolta and Michael Tucci don't have hats, like masks, you know, pulled out ski masks. Um, they end up killing one of the carnies. It's just brutal. And uh, that was hilarious. And then one of my favorite things in these movies so we talked about uh, a guy we'll call Fishel Boscifus, who is a friend I met through uh, Ben, and I lived with for a couple of years. And he and I watched the movie Deadbeat at Dawn. J- J- you familiar with this movie, Ben? Jim no. Van Beber's Deadbeat at Dawn. No. So it, it's a very low-budget movie made by this kind of mad genius, Jim Van Beber, about you know essentially it's just it's a gang war movie, but the gang at the beginning. Does this huge armored car heist and they end up like, and I mean, like, guys are getting killed, there's machine guns, I mean, it's, and they end up with like 20 grand at the end of it to split among 50 guys. <laughs> so I always thought that was hilarious. And when I was watching it with the official, he was mesmerized. Like, he was so in the reality of this movie. So they have this like stupid sack of loot at the end. I'm like, what are they gonna do? They get like two grand a piece and then they cut to them. Like with strippers in the in the in the mm-hmm. house, and the music is blaring. He goes, "They're gonna buy a night to remember." <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved that he was so in the moment there. The great <laughs> Bo Cephas I still love you. Um, and now, now he's like a monk that that friend of yours. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. A Buddhist monk. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh wow. And yeah. Yeah. That's why he had to cut me out of his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and then I think they they come away with at some point they give like a specific figure. It's like, like 7 six, grand. Six, or yeah, 6 or 7 grand. Yeah, it's like $6,921 or something. To again split among what looks like 50 guys. And again, as always, this is one of my favorite things, especially in those 80s gang movies, is the perfect racially integrated street gangs of New York City.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Each gang is multicultural. Yeah. Now, we had a gang uh, the Kings Highway Boys. You remember them? The KHB? No. <laughs> wow. They actually really? were. They was black guys and white guys. Um, they would... I only ever ran into them on Halloween once. They were like the strongest fucks and they would throw eggs that could break windows and stuff. <laughs> but other than that, that was my only uh,
1: Brooklyn encounter with street gangs at all. So. Yeah, that's that's one well, of the things I, wanna, I wanted to talk about with Boardwalk, too. It's like, I don't... I, you know, I mean this this seems to be like just a goofy like Hollywood yeah, version yeah. Of, of gangs. And, and Boardwalk, I think they're trying to be more realistic. But Well, let's get there in a minute. Okay, yeah, so sure. We can wrap up uh Sunnyside pretty quick.
0: Aaron, your thoughts?
2: <laughs> well, I did I did want to quote the amazing uh, Janet Maslin review in the New York Times of this. Did you read that of Sunnyside?
0: Fantastic! Yeah,
2: did, did you write it down? Do you have it? No, I just—I know I just wanted to summarize that she said she saw it at the embassy. Well, I, I theater. have it, so let me let me read it. Oh, please, yeah. yeah, sure.
0: So she she went to the embassy theater, which was in Times Square, and um, and this was so we want to also point out so this movie and Boardwalk came out the same year as the Warriors, the Wanderers, uh, Boulevard Knights and the Robbie Benson Chicano gang film uh, Walk Proud. Uh, so this was this was hot this was the hot topic of this time and then again would become hot throughout the mid 80's uh, through canon films and, and studios like that so uh, and, and really one of the big things is anytime the Warriors or Boulevard Nights showed there'd be reports of gang violence and um, I remember it being kind of serious on 42nd Street um, some of the violence but uh, so Janet Maslin uh, she was on the front line for uh, the screening of Sunnyside in Times Square and she wrote about uh, the cast and there were people who did well and she was singling out the stuttering guy uh, whose name I didn't catch but so one of the guys stutters one of the uh, night crawlers and she says of him a third player who is crucified in one of the film's most graphically ugly moments does a fine job until then I couldn't, oh like Janet I couldn't catch his character's name because at yesterday's first show at the Embassy 2 Theater, the house had been taken over by a gang of kids who consumed a fifth of something or other, slammed seats around, made a wide range of grunting noises, and screamed catcalls at the movie. Sex scenes made them particularly noisy. Scenes in which gangs drew up war plans, on the other hand, held their rapt attention. The theater's management only half-hearted, made only half-hearted efforts to keep the movie audible and the situation under control.
2: Mm. God, I wish she had gotten in a fight with him. I wish Janet Maslin had thrown down <laughs> with the
0: gang. <laughs> it brings to mind, like, when Pauline Kael was like, I've got to go see one of these exploitation films, and she went to see oh, Farewell Uncle Tom. That's the all-time greatest. God. <laughs> Which, to me, when people say, like, what is the most fucked up movie you've ever seen, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. my answer. <laughs> yes. Like, the yeah. one that really haunts you and is... I, and, and we no, that's told, like you know, Jacopetti and Prosperi. You use their genius for evil.
2: They create that, evil. It's a crime. But the the idea that that would be her black exploitation bar—that's like if someone said, "I'm gonna, I want to check out what a documentary is and watch Cannibal Holocaust or something," <laughs> you know? <Like> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, right. it's, yeah, that that is hilarious. But but you know, yeah, I thought I thought this movie was a mess. I thought it was amazing that it simultaneously felt. Im- completely improvised and terribly written. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> it an achievement. Yeah, amazing. And and you know and I'll I'll just I'll just quickly say you know that, hey the gang may have been multicultural but they were all one color denim. That that that's my that's my <laughs> thought.
1: Can I just I, I, I I'm happy to leave leave this conversation, uh, but I want do two things. I wanted to I get back to say, Come on, yeah. No, I mean, I mean happy to, for us to stop talking about Sunnyside. But I mean No,
2: I no he's sick of being he's sick of being on the podcast, Mike. He's trying to get out. He's <laughs> like fuck yeah, this shit with you two fuckers.
1: <laughs> uh, I have to give a shout out to Frank Civero from Godfather 2 sure. and Goodfellas. He's so every time that guy comes on screen in any movie, uh, it's instant delight. It's like an instant sight gag. It's like um that whoever that actress is who plays Hatchet Face and Cry Baby, you just <laughs> right. see this guy yeah. on the screen, and I just start laughing. I mean, what a mug on the this
0: hair! Cat. It's the comb yeah. over,
1: yeah, yeah, it's like a bowler hat. No, he's got like a badger. Like a, it's like fur on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's not even a comb over. It's like he's yeah. like a wolf baby. Um, and then the other thing, the plot point that I can't couldn't wrap my head around, even more baffling than the cold cuts and the and the naked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pictures it was the what is going on when stuttering guys in the hospital and they all come visit him and there's like a full tool kit on his <laughs> on his hospital bedside table they've got a, a socket wrench and a,
0: what are they doing that's how they fixed his hands they they, they used yeah. the tools to <laughs> spackle the holes in his oh, hands no, they, those, I,
1: think they, I think he got crucified with like screwdrivers yeah. or something yeah. right and maybe they were just re- returning those to their rightful place <laughs> in the tool kit
0: <laughs> Such a good point. Yeah. Okay. I just I'm then done. I remember Sonny from the T Birds coming in. Okay, you get this gun, you get this gun, you get this gun. So uh but I, I you know I had a I had a, a hoot. So gang bang for me, gang green from our two other hosts this week. So let us move on to Boardwalk, also from nineteen seventy-nine. Um and a film that uh I didn't know about it except for the Al Hirschfeld poster. I was familiar with Al Hirschfeld being the great uh, New York Times uh, illustrator, cartoonist, did um, caricatures of a lot of uh, Broadway stars, very well known for that, as well as movie stars. And the poster is Lee Strasberg, the legendary acting teacher and stage uh, actor, uh, in bed with Ruth Gordon, who we all know and love uh, from Harold and Maud and a uh, hundred other movies. And they're in bed, cuddled up. He's reading Playboy, and the tagline above them is, "Next time someone tells you to act your age, tell them about these two. So the impression you get is this is going to be like the Brooklyn Jewish on Golden Pond. It's going to be you know poignant, yeah. delightful, naughty. funny. Yeah, right. a little yeah, a little naughty. Yeah, just sort of you know uh, full of zest and full of life. Instead, it's
2: a complete nightmare of
0: violence against the elderly and the weak
2: <laughs> and just misery and just and, and com- relentless misery pounding misery and yes.
0: uh, here's the now here's the kicker so the the lovely home in which uh Lee Strasberg uh, Lee Strasberg and uh Ruth Gordon live was the actual home of our guest Ben Reiser so please elaborate Mr. Yes, Reiser
1: at the time um I was talking to my mom last night, who still lives in this home, uh, which is nowhere near Coney Island, which is where this film is supposed to take place. Uh, As as Mike mentioned, we grew up in the Flatbush, or we called it Midwood section of Brooklyn. Um, And uh, I guess they were, you know, this film is about home invasions. And apparently, our our connection and the house's connection to the film started with a, a home invasion. Apparently, these uh, location scouts were combing our neighborhood looking for houses, and they saw my house and they rang my bell. And I guess I was home as an 11 year old. I was home alone, and I opened the door to these guys and let them in the house. They Said, "Oh yeah, we're we're looking, <laughs> we're shooting movies in the neighborhood." <laughs> yeah. And they film. came into Sorry, the house. <laughs> Come on yeah. down the basement. Right then, and then they call. I had them call my mom, who was at a um, a neighbor's house, and talk to them on the phone and you know my mom answers the phone at this neighbor's house and uh, this guy's calling from inside the house saying (laughs) hey i'm in your house with your 11 year old son we want to rent your house for this movie and anyway long story short they rented the house for a couple months and all of those interiors in the strasburg gordon home are actually my house the house that i still go back and visit a couple times a year in brooklyn and both your parents still with us my, my dad died, uh, but my mom is still in the... Eugene, yeah. and my, my mom is still there. Um, and she actually sent me a couple of uh, uh, 8x10 black and white stills from the production oh, cool. that they'd, they'd given her after the thing recently. We'll post them online next week. And, and, and for me, the uh, the most interesting thing about the movie is how they used my, my house. And they actually, although the house geographically in Brooklyn is not in the right spot the interior geography of the house is exactly as it is like my kitchen is my kitchen and they use the dining room as the dining room they didn't cheat at all and there's like a little piano room and that's all that's all exactly as it is in my house and actually uh, a lot of the production design from that from that production is still in my house like the wallpaper that they used in the dining room that they put up is still the wallpaper that we have in, in the house. Did you,
2: where'd you stay while they were shooting the movie?
1: Well, much to my chagrin, this was shot over the summer of 1978, which uh, uh, I had already been set up to go to my first uh, summer at sleepaway camp, as we used to call it, uh, up in Maine. So... Just when I found out they were going to shoot a movie in my house, and I was already a big uh, movie geek, was was totally psyched at the idea of them shooting movie in my house. I had to go to camp, but part of the negotiations that my parents did, including to, including getting some money for the rental of the house, was that when I got back from camp, uh, I was uh, they had to allow me to stay with them on the set uh, uh, for a week. But this was after they had shot at my house, so I didn't get I wasn't there in the house for any of the shooting in my house. But I was there for the whole week that they shot at Dubrow's cafeteria, on Kings Highway, and I was also there for the for the Coney Island stuff under the board, boardwalk. The scene where uh, Lee Strasberg's stunt double gets <laughs> <Throttled>. gets yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was a witness to wow. that. You I got to you, meet.
2: You must have been so heartbroken. I can't imagine. An eleven-year-old boy thinking, "I'm gonna have Ruth Gordon in my house." It's like, <laughs> like, yeah. like a, a horny eleven-year-old kid with this hot actress. I, yeah, that's that must have been disappointing. Yeah, he just was sitting there going,
0: "Maud, Maud's in my house," <laughs> and I'm in Maine.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it was devastating not to get to hang out with Ruth and Lee who i gotta say Lee Strasberg could have, is there a worse <laughs> actor i mean he's terrible in this movie how did that you know, guy become it's funny
0: cuz uh, i was thinking that you know i mean obviously he's great as he's Hyman Roth in the godfather 2 he's amazing but uh
2: yeah i mean i guess he didn't have any more tricks after Hyman Roth that was i up. don't know i i liked him in this cuz i thought he was lifeless and depressed
0: <laughs> yeah and, no like, i i have to he, say, yeah i mean
2: he didn't, he didn't <laughs> very you eye, know? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he, it just seemed like the attitude of the whole movie was life is shit, everything sucks, it's all pain, and, and he looked pained and depressed and bored and unhappy to be there. And I want to say, growing up in that neighborhood, that
0: was the message I got. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what it felt like. I was like, just everything is shitty, filthy, breaking down, there's violence around every corner. Uh, it's, it's loud. It's, I mean, that, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it just seemed to be winter all the time when I was a kid in the seventies and, uh, you know, the only escape was, uh, to the movies and then, um, but this movie captured what was happening outside the movies.
2: But then, yeah. And and Ben, did you, did you get to see it at the time? Like, did, did you go to the premiere or anything or, or see it in a theater?
1: i did i went to i'm not sure if it was a premiere or if it was a sneak preview for cast and crew but i remember seeing it um in a theater with with the cast and crew uh and maybe you know maybe you've been to those screenings where like every every time there's a credit yeah. on screen everyone in the audience yeah. cheers you know from the gaffer on up um yeah so i did see it then and i think i saw it one more time maybe on vhs at some point and then uh uh, a couple years ago, my my, uh, my boss Jim Healy presented me with the Blu-ray of this, and it and it has been sitting around in its shrink wrap ever since. <laughs> and then I don't know a couple a couple months ago, I broke I broke it. Out. I was like, oh, I gotta watch this thing. And I was, you know, I immediately thought of you guys. I was like, oh my god, this thing is insane. Yeah. Like I remembered it being a bad movie, I didn't realize how how crazy it was, how how bizarre it is. You know, it's tonally—it's so all over the place. It, you know, it veers from being that sort of mushy, like end-of-life romance between the two of them, and then that horrible garbage with the <laughs> grandson, <laughs> the who is um, who have you guys seen? Maybe you have the the Brady Bunch variety yes, right. hour shows, oh, um, right? And so Greg Brady in episode one, the one with um Tony Randall uh all he says the whole time music is music is my, is my life. life and then he sings a song from Pippin and this is this this character seems completely just stolen you know in its entirety from that Greg Brady
2: and um, it's
0: not even the early 70s where they could have made him Johnny Bravo he's just the lame, yeah. late 70s yes. and then he gets it but he does get a week of gigs at the bottom line like Bruce Springsteen it's going to change the world yeah
1: yes yeah i can't believe how much of his storyline remains in this movie cuz it's so Pointless, and then it turns into this insane death wish thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. we, and it's
1: brutal and and just relentless. Brutal, uh, you know, an old old yeah, lady is attacked, the, but that's almost the...
0: raped, and then uh, the uh, the Freedmans commit suicide. Ooh. The couple, <laughs> their neighbor couple, it's crazy. You
1: know, and that's the thing. Like, I want to say is that my house, that house, was broken into several times while we lived there, and my I got I had a bike stolen from inside yeah. my house. I had my stereo stolen. Um, but even so, the depiction of this gang and what they're up to is so crazy. Or they're, I, I don't, nobody was, no, 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 those gangs were actually, like, they're like, they're like zombies. They're like the 28 days later yeah. zombies. They're like, uh, like, like supercharged, like running around, like cartoon characters, just yeah. diving into people's houses and temples. And all they want to do is destroy everything. That. Yeah. yeah that's no, weird. we got robbed twice in
0: 1978 and 1979. Same thing. They took like, right? My fucking, my radio and things like that, and it sucked. And but it was just like the thugs. It was just like the the local hoodlums that drank beer and smoked weed in the the Huddy Junior High School parking lot. Uh, you know, or a schoolyard, which is where Ben went to junior high school. But do you around think around the those gangs
2: and from... do you think those gangs in real life it probably were? But like in the movie, it's like. One giant guy who looks like he's, like, 20, and then a bunch of 10-year-olds. Like, <laughs> like, it's it's this guy, it's one huge dude and a bunch of, like, honest-to-God kids, you know?
0: Yeah, well, well among them, we should say, is Linda Manns, the, the great Linda Manns, as, uh, credited as Girl Satan, because that's the name of the gang is the Satans. Um, and This is the same year she played Pee Wee in The Wanderers, the, the, the girlfriend of the hugest guy that's ever been photographed. That's right.
2: Yeah,
0: and then uh, she was also in the TV movie Orphan Train, and this I remember vividly. She was on a summer replacement sitcom called Dorothy, starring Dorothy Loudon of uh, who had been Miss Hannigan and Annie on Broadway, and my grandmother loved Dorothy Loudon, so we watched every episode of uh, this Dorothy, and she it, and it was essentially the Facts of Life, which also started in 1979 in the summer. So I, as a 11-year-old as a who really wanted to look at girls just a couple of years older than me, I was not outside playing. I was inside glued to the television. Um, but she played the Joe equivalent, Linda Mann. She played a character
2: named Frankie at this boarding school. And, you know, can I just say one more thing about the home invasion part of it with this gang? I, I really laughed at one yeah. of the early scenes where they, they home invaded Ruth Gordon. and. Right. And Lee Strasberg comes in in the middle of it. And they all, like, 30, 30 kids and gang members were all like, holy shit, Lee Strasberg, get the fuck out of here. Like, they <laughs> run like hell. I'm like, why don't they just beat the shit out of him? I, I, that really baffled me. Now, at the end of the movie, we see why. You don't fuck with Lee Strasberg. Not to give anything no, away. Clearly, but. yeah. Yes, but but it did make me laugh that they were like, oh no, an 80-year-old man, run. <laughs>
0: Right, let's talk of just Ruth Gordon at this point, point. so she was eighty-three. Because I, I, recently rewatched uh, Lord Love a Duck, and I was like, she's a real old lady, and she was seventy in that. So, um, she, yeah, she looked she looked great
2: for eighty-three. I'm very completely, I'm, I'm shocked yeah, to yeah. Hear
0: that. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And it was she made boardwalk in between two of her biggest hits, Every Which Way But Loose and My Bodyguard. So Ruth was hot, and I remember she guest starred on Taxi. And her big laugh line, and this was a shock line in 1979. Uh, she was talking about her ex-husband or something, and, and Alex Rieger said, oh, you must miss him. She went, ah, forget him and his crapola. And the audience went <laughs> berserk. And we all kind
2: of put our hands over our mouths like, she said what? Do, do you remember, Mike, a National Lampoon gag from this period? The, the contest, Kill Ruth Gordon? I do remember this. Yes. Yeah. It's, I remember even, I yeah. remember as a kid, like being like, yeah, that's not nice. <laughs> like,
0: <have a laughs> but to suggested. me, it was just more like anytime I would see National Lampoon, you'd open it. It was just like, you know, it was just like a nightmarish Pandora, Pandora's box of nihilism and things that would destroy yeah. a child's mind. Cause they would look like, you know, funny comics you'd want to read. And then you'd be like, Oh, I can't, I can't get this out of my brain. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just one more. I remember, Kill Ruth Gordon. I was like, all right, that's what adults do. This is what they think is funny. <laughs> yes. right? And then I came to think it was funny, too. But here's, here's what killed me, and I went down this uh, rabbit hole. Also in 79, this, I, 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 I must find out more about this. She was cast in Jerry Lewis's upcoming film, Not Hardly Working. The next one he was working on called That's Life, which he described oh, wow. as animal house with old people. And it was going to be uh, her and Danny Thomas, and it never
2: happened, unfortunately. Yeah. I was thinking, watching this movie, how wow. they 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 really liked old people in the 70s, you know? Old, old <laughs> well, people, not, not in old people movie. had movie. Old people <laughs> had a moment, though, there. The, you know, the whole going in style, George Burns, like, old yeah, people were Yeah, which is Lee
0: Strasberg's other movie from
2: 1979, yeah. 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 Now, now we hate old people. Now we're
0: debating whether to let them live or not. Now we treat them like the Satans do it on the
1: Coney Island boardwalk. Yes, yes. Only, you know, writ large. Well, apparently back in those days, we thought old people could take the kind of beating that <laughs> Lee Strasberg takes under the boardwalk and sort of just walk it off. Walk
2: it off and dish it out, so, man.
1: Getting dragged through broken glass. and <laughs> Janet Lee is their daughter in the movie,
0: uh... She, uh, she made this uh, in between, uh, after she had done two TV movies, Telethon and Murder at the World Series, both of which I saw. And I loved Murder at the World Series, but I don't remember what it was exactly. Followed it up with The Fog. And I want to take a moment to say The Fog is terrible. Do you boys yeah.
2: agree? <laughs> no, I was. I, I will say, I was never a fog fan. I, I, I like as a kid, I was all excited. Like, what's the monster gonna be? Oh, what is it? Yeah, it, you know. And it could not have been a less satisfying reveal for for me. Yeah, never liked the fog.
1: Mr. Riser? I, I, I have some. I mean, I think the score is fantastic. Um, one of his best. And I think the first ten minutes or so are great. The sure. John Houseman intro, I love. Uh yeah, then it sort of it goes steadily downhill. You know, I'll still oh, take yeah, it over I mean, the remake. Yeah, please,
0: uh, I remember I saw that in Hazlitt, New Jersey. It was like one of my first R-rated movies when that was starting to be allowed. My uncle Bobby took me, and I was scared shitless going in, and I was so disappointed, but pretended that yeah. I loved it on the way out because it was rated R, and I could tell people. I'd yeah. Saw it. Yeah. So um, yeah, Dubrow's cafeteria or Dubrows. Um, I never went in there. Were you familiar with that? Place?
1: Dubrows. I I, I had right. seen it. I used to see it all the time on Kings Highway. I don't think I ever ate there, um, but I did spend four days there. I was there for all that sh- all that footage, like the right. fire in Dubrows. Uh, I was there. for They that firebombed. Action. So
0: yeah, Lee uh, Strasberg owns this cafeteria-style restaurant on Kings Highway with these amazing. Uh, you know, uh, like tiled paintings on the wall. And yeah, stuff, that
2: man. place looked yeah. great. Like, I, yeah, yeah. that, that gave me some real shutdown sadness. Like, oh, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be in a restaurant really bad right now. And this place looks great. And then it gets, and, fire-
1: and then one of, one of Lee Strasberg's, one of Lee Strasberg and Ruth Gordon's other children is is played by Joe Silver, right? Who has one of the deepest voices in the business. I must have like a real set of balls mm-hmm. on him. <laughs> uh, and he was in uh, he was in those early Cronenberg movies, oh, wow. Shivers and Rabid. They came from movie. He was in Apprenticeship yeah. of Apprenticeship of Dudley Kravitz. So oh, I love Silver that movie yeah. As well. yeah,
0: that was a Channel it's great Five to see favorite him. growing up. Yeah. yeah, we should do that on our other show. Um, so, yeah, and based so what the movie is is this this poor uh, old Jewish couple is harassed horrendously by this multiracial street gang throughout the entire movie. The son is on route to becoming a, or the grandson is going to be a rock star. And then they're celebrating their 50th anniversary, and then for a little bit it's the movie on the poster, and then Ruth Gordon has cancer, <laughs> she dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Strasberg adopts a uh, stray dog from the Coney Island ballroom. So Then I'm like sweating <laughs> yeah. blood over the dog. I was like, if they kill the dog, I'm I'm, I'm not going to make it. Skippy, he called the dog. I remember, Ben, you had a dog named Scooter.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
0: So Skippy was in your house but probably before Scooter, right?
1: Yes, that's pre-Scooter.
0: And, uh, But as far as I know, the dog makes it. But then the gang breaks it to, to Ben Reiser's home smashes everything destroys everything so how did that work
1: uh you know we still have the smashed train set and that 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 was one of the biggest bummers was that they broke that train set which they had built for the movie and i was dreaming that they would let us keep it which they did but not not in any usable form
2: (laughs) (laughs) here you go kids thanks for your house
1: but of course my yeah my dad would never throw anything away so that's still sitting in our basement Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. <laughs> we should put it back together in quarantine. Yeah. Have your mom ship it out to you. Yeah. Uh, and then we lead to the ending, which... Uh, well, let's not skip over really
1: the something. fact that uh, that the famous uh, songwriter Sammy Kahn makes a rare screen appearance. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, that's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what did... I forget, do they end up committing suicide, he and, the, yeah. and his wife, after they get... Yeah, or, the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, she gets yeah. killed, right? And then he kills yes. himself? Yeah. Yeah, she gets. Killed I can't remember. Is that what
0: happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she oh, turns yeah, the it's, gas it's, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She gets beaten up, yeah. but I'm not sure if she gets beaten to death or she just or they commit. Yeah, justice. she's almost shirt off. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I don't know. It's yeah, awful. but
2: anyway, they're in a bad way. It's, they're in a bad. Yeah, it's so in a unnecessary. Bad way to it, it, it really is. Like it. Like yeah. that's <laughs> only to think. Like this really was a movie made for no one because there's. There's the fact that it's old people, yeah, right. <laughs> you're just depressed seeing this happen to them. There's no catharsis, you know, that you would get in an action movie. There's there's no real awesome revenge except for the final scene, which I'll which I'll let you describe.
1: Well, the whole the whole movie feels like that Edith Bunker Gets Raped episode of All in the Family. Yes. But much more miserable. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Yes.
0: Which I remember the, them advertising that episode with just like the little flash gag, like the the rapist is on top of Edith. He goes, "You smell so oh good, Jesus."
2: It's Lemon Pledge. But it would. But this movie is she gets raped, has cancer, and commits suicide. I mean, it's it, it's yeah, it's relentless. And uh, so this leads
0: to Lee Strasberg. Just when he sees his busted up train set, he's like, "Ah, oh, that's it. I got to go back to the boardwalk." Goes up to Strut, who's the leader of the Satans, and just puts his hands around his neck and, and squeezes. <laughs> He's chokes him to and death. And the whole gang, even though they have like knives and weapons, and there's twenty of them, freak out and run away. This, Rightly they, they so. Rightly on. so. they they had yeah. <laughs> so he is able to strangle Strut to death on the boardwalk in Coney Island.
1: I'll tell you the one. I'll tell you the, my one real anecdote about being on the set um, where I was at Dewbrows and Strut. Comes over to me at some point, and uh, he asks if he, if I have any if I have twenty five cents because he wants to make a phone call at payphone. This was the days of payphones, and I did have a quarter in my pocket. And he said, "I'll pay you back," and I said, "Okay." And I'm like an eleven year old jerk, and I give him the quarter. And he goes and makes his phone call. And then I hounded him for the next four days on the set to try to get (laughs) that 25 cents back from him to the point where he finally had to go to a production manager and say, can you pay this kid off? He's driving me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That was me on the set of Boardwalk. That
0: was a lot of money in 78, 25 cents. And I
1: thought, this guy is an actor. He must be making some serious coin. Why am I shelling out for his phone calls?
0: Yeah, you were right. You were right. So, now, now um, here's,
2: here's the what I think is one of the most fascinating figures in the production is, is the screenwriter Lee Chapman. Yeah you, yes. you didn't meet her, did you Ben
1: or see her around? I don't think so although apparently she was she was dating um, uh, Steven Verona, the director at the time, but I don't yeah. remember much about either one of them. I don't know that she was on set. Uh, but yeah, but t- talk about her because her credits well, are insane. She
2: she was an actress. She was a regular character in The Man from Uncle. It looked her up. Completely gorgeous. This amazingly gorgeous actress who stopped acting and started writing action movies. And 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 read. I read a brief interviewer with her where she was. It was just fascinating. She basically said like, she she basically said it, it explains this movie a lot. Like. That she wants to write, she wants to write serious stuff, and then she just thinks it's cool when people start beating the shit out of each other and killing each other. <laughs> yeah. so, so this is like this attempt at this New York slice of life, Cassavetes-esque movie that then sh- then she wants people to, you know, choke each other to death and exciting shit to happen. <laughs> she gets bored. She gets people, bored. People are boring. Yeah.
1: Well, she wrote the screenplays for Dirty ahead. Mary, Crazy Larry... Dirty Mary and Crazy uh, Larry. Masterpiece. And, and the Chuck Norris uh, masterpiece, the Octagon.
0: <laughs> and Justin wrote Steel, the uh, Lee yes. Majors, like seven samurai construction worker movie. Which... And all the marbles, a movie I love. And, and... With Peter Falk. When I was
2: telling my rhinestone Lexington, Kentucky story, Steel was shot in Lexington, Kentucky. And they, they did a big... And it was legendary to to kids growing up there the story of this they did a big stunt uh off the top a jump off the top of the tallest building in lexington and they people all over lexington got together to watch this happen and the guy died he fell off the building and died in front of this huge crowd so that was always that was a huge high school story was i never would have heard of steel otherwise he gave his life for steel. But she also wrote Well, we should watch Steel. We should. She also wa- she also wrote a Truck Turner with Isaac Hayes, which kicks out. Oh,
0: that's a I love just, that just movie. Great. That
2: movie's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, Lee Chapman, she she ruled. Well, do did,
0: did you did you see what uh, when she was asked about Boardwalk, what her reaction was? No. Somebody said, Well, what, what did you think about Boardwalk? She said, amateurish, boring. <laughs> Strasburg was a dreadful actor. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, we should say Stephen Verona. Uh, his previous film had been The Lords of Flatbush, which was a, a cheap American graffiti ripoff. That it was a huge hit. That uh, starred, through sheer uh, serendipity, uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, right before Rocky, Henry Winkler, right before Happy Days, Perry King, right before Mandingo, and a fourth uh, Lord of Flatbush that nobody knows. And uh, that's it's you know it's it's a meandering silly movie that I truly love because, as Danny Peary points out uh, in the guide for the film, Fanatic, the faux 50s music is appalling. (laughs) That's one of those songs that Gilbert sings all the time, right? All the time, that, hey, hey, what do you (laughs) say? As they're standing in front of Madison High School, which was like the scary high school where we grew up. And uh, so I, I still, you know, all told this is funny because I hate everything, and Aaron is a very upbeat and positive person, and uh, I tend to like these terrible movies, and Aaron never likes them. So, I, but I'm going to give this a gang bang.
2: Uh, well, I'm going to surprise you. I am too. I, right. I, 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 thought I thought it was. You know, I I did not think it was. I thought the script was also a mess. It was really well directed. It was and it was interesting and uh, and. Yeah, and, and like I said and I think especially after seeing Sunnyside, Side, I was like, yeah, this is a, a real movie. An in, an insane one, but a real movie. <laughs> the, the vote who counts the most, Mr. Riser.
1: Okay. I, I I I of course, a gangbang from me. Of course.
2: Yes. Home again.
1: I had a I have a I had a production t-shirt, a Boardwalk, I have oh, a Boardwalk man. t-shirt. Aaron could fit into it now. He's lost <laughs> I will, um, yeah. I, I've got a I've got a picture of me at summer camp wearing the boardwalk T-shirt. I'll send you for our social. Oh, media
2: fantastic! Pictures. Awesome! Great! Great! Mike, didn't you love Ruth Gordon's line when they see the? They see the gang on the boardwalk and the old lady yes. is like, "Let's get out of here." And she says, "You should be more afraid of men in suits." Men in well, suits. Watergate taught us that lesson. I like That's right. <laughs> I love I love they go that far of the way to do the whole death wish like the liberals are wrong. We got to kill these people. <laughs> <laughs> Always love That is that the kind lesson. of thing that the old ladies in my neighborhood growing up would say though. Sure. Yes. And they, and they, they had to learn Lee Strasberg had to show up. There's no alternative, (laughs) but to choke this kid to death on the boardwalk. (laughs) That's what it comes to.
0: It was a hell of a thing. So I guess we're going to wrap it up. This was a delight. Thank you so much, Ben. Um, yeah. So uh, Ben and I, uh, next week we'll be launching our own podcast, 70 movies we saw in the seventies. And we will be talking about conquest of the planet of the apes on that. Um, we have some interesting background material to bring to that party. Uh, next week, Aaron, for Memorial Day, I would like us to do the DI with one of our heroes, Jack Webb.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, the Green Berets, uh, John Wayne's uh, gung-ho Vietnam film. So we're going to do that, and then uh, at some point we'll do Matilda. And um, at that point, oh, Ben, do you know, you, you, can, you can say our sign-off line. You must know it because you do our audio.
1: Uh, oh, what is it? Crack or get off the pot? I
0: don't... You did. You said it. Perfect. He <laughs> did it. All right. Thanks so much, everybody.
2: Thanks, Ben. Uh-huh.